Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. With me. With my mother. She's got her glasses on. She's got her readers ready. Usually, the Maja. <laughs> yeah, usually you put those on a little bit after. Well. You're going to get dizzy. <laughs> I would just say that um, I'll explain in a minute, but I started a new job this week and I've had to wear them very frequently and I think that I've actually gone up a couple numbers now. I think that actually happens. Yeah, the longer it, you wear them, I think the long the lot like the worse your eyes get. Perfect. So I'm gonna be fucking blind by the end of next week. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm gonna have eyes. <laughs> uh yeah. So our second time in the studio, ooh, ooh, you ooh. guys can obviously see us. So again, yeah. facial expressions I have to be pretty mindful Sorry about that. If I look like shit because I don't work all day. <laughs> you look beautiful. Excellent. You look beautiful. Um, yeah, so it's been about a month since yep. you guys saw us last and heard from us. That for you listeners out there that haven't kind of jumped on the YouTube wagon yet, we are on YouTube, you guys. You can see us. So, so Murder With My Mother podcast <laughs> on YouTube. Yes. So again, for the new listeners, new watchers, um, you guys can go back, listen to the first 37 episodes. Uh you could watch the last one because it's yeah. on YouTube, like I just said three times. So we actually have had uh, some cool people discover us recently and like binge through the whole thing. So that's yeah. really, really cool to hear <laughs> that you guys like us so much that you binge through that many episodes. Yeah. So thank you. Like very it's pretty much. flattering. I kind of think like you guys must be really, really loving us to want to listen or to all of really, it. really, really fucking bored. Yeah, like, or working, because I know yeah. I would, like, be, like, typing, just have my headphones in, and I'd look and listen to, like, five or six podcasts yeah. in a row. Sorry, Julian, my boss. I was working, but I'm on maternity leave now, so. so whatever, Julian. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> um, but since we saw you guys last, or we didn't see you, but you saw us and heard us, but there's been some weird stuff that's happened locally. Obviously, you guys know... We've kind of kept up with a few cases, but there's there was some wild shit that has happened. Um, there was a really bad case, I think, mental health, uh, you know. Yeah, terrible. Um, I was not here, but apparently everybody that was in the surrounding area. So we are currently in Langley. And so... Langley, British Columbia. Langley, British Columbia. I hope that that's not a... For the rest of this episode, <laughs> the people that... We're about to do our podcast on, just kidding, we're in, uh, what's the furthest way? We're in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> but anyway, um, we did have someone go and, uh, again, mental health crisis, um, commit murders. Um, there was a SOS kind of um, yeah, emergency text, broadcast. emergency broadcast test was sent out to everybody in our area. Yeah. Uh, letting them know that there was an active shooting situation, which is so strange because yeah. we've never had anything like that before. And it was actually right in our area. So Danica was away on holidays. Yep. Uh, but it was right in her neighborhood. Yeah. And I actually came home that day. And so as soon as I got back into into the area, cell service, we got all these, like, and it's like the, like the, the broadcast, the emergency broadcast saying that there was an active shooter 
targeting transient people. Yeah. So they were going, there's quite a large homeless population. Um, it's an epidemic, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, again, mental health and addiction. homelessness, right? All the in-between stuff, addiction, trauma, which we've talked about uh, a Cost of times, living right now. I mean, yes. as we all know, and I'm sure you guys are feeling it also. Yeah, groceries. The cost of living gas. is like astronomical right now. And Crazy. no one's wages have really met up. No. Which in turn is also increasing the mental health yeah. problems. And the have. homeless problems. Yeah. So again, um, a we don't like to put too much on the person that committed these crimes, obviously. But again, you know, it's all mental health. So to go around and open fire on so he was shooting people sleeping people that were sleeping that were transient, homeless people, and innocent people. And it turned out that uh, the shooter actually lived right in the same alley as me. Yeah, uh, in a coach house. So, so thank God that there was not more carnage, and you know he didn't go yeah, around. Yeah, it was and... terrible. It was terrible enough what had happened. Exactly, and it, it shut down this whole area for quite a while. For yeah, so I think we got our last message at like two forty p.m. or something. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a long one, and it started. In the middle of the night so that's also very scary people are sleeping it's bad enough when you don't have a home to sleep in but now you're being targeted by an active shooter so well yeah it's a very scary situation for all the surrounding people people living there people that were going through that i mean that's very scary it's scary enough to not have shelter to not have that protection yeah. and then something like that happens to you so and i'm sure people are uh, very much on edge still from yeah from that. And that actually that same weekend, um, so the day before, the day before locally, there is a few gangs. I don't even really like to refer them as gangs. They're kind of more groups with people that are, in I the mean, drug trade, selling drugs. In the yeah. In the criminal trade. Yeah. So what had happened is there was a shooting, a targeted shooting in Whistler that weekend as well. And, um, and it was broad daylight, like yeah, noon, I yeah. believe. And yeah, so there was just a lot of that. There's, you know, this area is known for lately, especially, I mean, it kind of goes in waves, but there are things that happen, um, again, in the drug trade. And um, yeah, basically they're getting more brazen. They're committing these acts in broad daylight and there's families, there's children, That's there's, the thing. Like, there's everything around. Middle so. of the daytime shootings. Yeah. Which used to kind of be contained to like the, the early morning hours or the yeah. middle of the night hours. But now that it's in the middle of the daytime, I mean, it only goes to show like it's going to be, there's going to be innocent people that are going to be affected yeah. by this. Well, and, and like I have, said. Some have been already. Yeah. And there's not just one or two happening. It's, it's picking up. Yeah. So. Just with that being said, everybody, you know, kind of keep an eye out for things. Obviously, it's not ever nice to say, like, keep your eye out for someone, for shooters. But yeah. you just never know, right? So, you know, everybody so just... So everybody get their vests on. Yeah, like, large. suit up. Yeah. But <laughs> another thing, actually, locally that has been happening is there has been an outrage. I know... Like I said, we live a little bit further from downtown, probably about a good 40-minute drive. But we live very close, about 40 minutes, to one of the largest areas of homelessness, um, and it's known as the downtown east side. So right off Hastings Street, um, obviously, again, very sad. There's a lot of 
you can see the generational trauma, um, a lot of people that are down there. And a lot of people that are down there are indigenous. So we've brought it up a couple times, obviously. Robert Picton. So Robert Picton targeted women, sex workers. Um, a lot of them were indigenous. A lot of them were obviously you know, not expecting that to happen, um, but it did start to happen. And obviously these people had loved ones. These people had people that cared about them. So they are noticed when they go missing. We have talked about that. But the thing is the RCMP who down there is actually the VPD, but kind of a little history lesson is the VP, uh, sorry, the RCMP was actually like formulated, formulated to take indigenous children away from their families um, to be put in to be placed into residential schools yes there's been a lot of awareness lately well we've talked about it we've covered yeah. it so just with the discovery a lot of awareness in the general population yeah now, which should have been happening the whole time yeah about indigenous children that were taken away from their families and placed into residential schools um, or given to other families, yeah. taken away from their parents. And, well, the 60s scoop, the 60s right? Scoop, yeah. That was, I mean, that wasn't the first time it happened, but that was basically like, we're going to take all your children away and we're going to, we've talked about it. We're going to take away, we're going to take. the take, Indian out of the yes. child is what was said back oh, in, just makes me back sweaty. in the day. Yeah, it makes us, it makes us makes very mad. sad, mad. Everything. But what's happening right now on, in, within the downtown east side area and surrounding areas is indigenous women are being found murdered or, I mean, sometimes they say that they are not that murdered. There's no evidence there's nothing, of Well, there's nothing suspicious, which is, it's almost like deja vu because in the early 2000s from the, what was it, the 80s, the 90s to the yeah. early 2000s, women were going missing. Their families were trying to bring it to their attention and it was, it was. It was kind of just like, oh, yeah, they like, ran no, away. Yeah, it's nothing, so, yeah. it's not connected. Oh no, and there's, then, yeah. And uh, people were thinking there, there's a serial yeah, killer. It's, it was said, especially by the sex workers that were down there. I mean, their yeah. friends are going missing. Their, you know, co-workers are going missing. And then eventually, as most of you know, it was discovered that there was a serial killer in the downtown east side, and that was Robert Willie Picton. Yeah. And now uh, there have been, again, Indigenous women have gone missing recently. Um, you have like people that are being found in suspicious circumstances. Chelsea Poorman was found in the yard of a mansion. Two years after she went yeah, missing. An abandoned mansion, two years yeah. after she went missing. And somehow, even though her remains were obviously just bones, decomposed yeah. by the time that she was discovered, uh, it was it was said by the VPD to not be a suspicious death. Well, when you find someone's bones in a yard in a mansion, how can you determine that that's not a suspicious death? No, exactly. And I know, like, just that's very dismissive, especially from a police department that has a history of, like I said, things dismissing things. And so obviously the outrage from the families is expected of course right so also and the community at large at this point because there's so much awareness now yeah so the body of 25 year old quem manuel godfredson was also discovered in a building near east hastings and she'd been reporting uh, reported missing by her family and there was you know posters put up the everything because she had people that cared about her yeah. and um 
yeah, she was not known to frequent the downtown east side. So yeah. just the fact that she's found deceased in that area, that is suspicious. Yeah. Um, also, a block where her remains, from where her remains were found, it, the body of 14-year-old Noel Osoup and an unidentified woman in her 30s were also discovered. More than two months earlier, this is the part that I don't... An unidentified man in his 40s was found dead in the same room, but they didn't discover the other two bodies for almost a month. And it had been there had been multiple reports before the man even died of a smell. Yeah, but it's so, just reminiscent. Like, it's like the police are not actually caring. Like, first of all, yes, I, I don't know this to be 100%, but I would assume one decomposing body probably smells. Three decomposing bodies. And for the police officers to to be there and to just not, not even take the, the care yeah. to go through and discover these other two deceased people, I just, I, I don't know. I, for me, it's just, I have deja well, vu and, and it's really not good deja like vu. An, uh, an SRO room is not that big. No, no. So it couldn't be... To take too long to no. go through. And if you found someone, you're supposed to do an investigation of the, probably of the, the area. surrounding area, yeah. no, let so, alone the room that they are actually found in. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we could sit here and do a whole episode, which which we will. We probably will, because yeah. it's just something that is just like I said, there's women that are pushed out of windows down there. There are women. Indigenous women face so much violence that it's and just trauma and it's generational trauma. Exactly. Which stems from. The fact that their parents and their grandparents were taken away from their families and placed into residential schools. Well, and they weren't allowed to love. They weren't allowed to show yeah. affection. They weren't allowed. And how do you think that that's going to affect the people that are, you're raising down the line? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's all, that's still all unfolding right now. And it's yeah. going to be unfolding for a long time to come. Yeah. So we will keep you guys posted. Um, there's nothing new on the Trina Hunt front. And I haven't heard anything about Naomi Onatera, but again... I think there's a publication ban on that case yeah, right now. Yeah, I so believe so. So it's hard for us to report on that. I mean, we're pretty good investigators, but... Uh, I'm might... known to stalk a couple things <laughs> now. Mom is like the number one Facebook <laughs> stalker. So if any of you guys need, you know, anyone... Well, your boyfriend's followed or oh like I probably that. know stuff already about your uncle's dad's sister's <laughs> second <friend>. cousin yeah <laughs> literally sometimes she'll send me a screenshot and I'm like how did you find that person and she's like well I was on this and this and this yeah. and it's like you're deep in the creep so and the funny thing is is I got all my practice from creeping on Danico when she was like 14 um, yeah 14 yeah I was bad I was bad so she got you yeah so if you need you're any welcome tip. yeah <laughs> so yeah Today's case, actually, to kind of is a local case. It's yep. kind of a local case, but the the victim is from about fifteen minutes away from where we are right now. But the murder actually takes place in a whole other country, a whole other continent. So the case today is mom's case so i'm gonna so, let her yeah. kind of segue into that and this explain to you guys actually stuck with me because i remember when it was all happening and when i thought it was time for me to pick a case this one really jumped out at me so this case is about the murder of jazz winder jazzy car sidhu 
uh, in core. the core, sorry. In um, she was born and raised in Maple Ridge, but she was actually murdered in an honor killing in India. Yeah. So we, as you guys know, I mean, honor killings, if you don't know, honor killings are, they're actually very common. So, I mean, okay. So it's typically a murder of a female relative, and it's usually perpetrated by a male relative. So usually um, it's for perceived transgression. So for what they think is something wrong. And something it's against... that makes their family look bad. Yeah, against cultural norms um, or religious gender, you know, whatever. Um, Gender-based standards, basically, that they hold yeah. their families to. Yeah, like, um, basically, if you're promiscuous, if you're disobedient, if you are raped, you bring shame to your family, which is crazy because I... Obviously, that's not something that you you know. Someone is not like yeah, you know. That's not yeah. that's not. I mean, something I can wrap my head around. It's a very antiquated view of of things, and you have some of the history about how it started. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's prominently in countries like the Middle East, um, Indian subcontinents, Africa, immigrant communities within North America and Europe. And the killer is usually supported by the family and the community because. It's restoring honor. So obviously, as fucked up as that sounds to us, some communities and cultures, there's a lot of honor killings. I mean, you hear about it. Stonings, public stonings. Yeah. Everyone, even the kids are are stoning a woman. And like I said, for sometimes for being raped. So the UN did a survey and obviously kept track of what they said that was probably the norm and the the number of what's happening. So they said that there's about 5,000 honor killings that happen globally per year. But the real number that's based on a little bit of a closer look is actually closer to 20,000 honor killings per year. Well, so, and if you think about the smaller villages and the places where it's not reported, yeah, I mean, exactly. think about how high that number actually is. It's exactly. terrible. Mm-hmm. 100% terrible. And awareness was really brought to it a little bit more because it happened here. Yeah, this is somebody world, first exactly. World country. And she's a Canadian citizen. Yeah. Jazzy born, was yes. Born she was here. born here. She went to school here. And that's kind of why you see, you know, there's a lot of things in different cultures, especially the Indian culture and the Sikh the Sikh religion. I mean, obviously there's people that are are more extreme. We find that in every religion. There's extremists. There's cultural extremists where, again, going against something, I mean, I, like... I mean, we have we have extremists here. Yeah. Oh, for it. sure. There's extremists in everything, yeah. right? But this is extreme. To kill your a female relative of yours, and this isn't just perpetrated by the male of the family. So, yeah, so, we're going to get into yeah. the facts of the case. Exactly. So with that, we will hop into episode 38 the murder of Jess Winder Cor-Sidhu. Enjoy. So Jazz Winder Cor, Jazzy as she was known, was born and raised in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Her family was wealthy and they were uh, blueberry farmers. 
So they lived in a... It's a lot of work. A yeah. Of, a lot of work, blueberries. So basically they lived in a um, compound. The family lived in a compound on the same land. And it was said to have like 19 rooms or something. I'm where... about to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like literally everything well, is so unaffordable. we all are about to do it because yeah. it's so expensive right now. Um, so she was born to uh, her mother, Malkiat Kor Sidhu. And her father, who basically was schizophrenic and did not, I think he was kind of just like maybe a subservient part of the whole thing. Because yeah. her, her mother's brother, uh, her uncle, was uh, Sergi Singh Badesha. And he was the head of the family. So they yeah. all lived in this great big, like, cousins, um, uncles, aunts, people that immigrated after that they'd already set this up. They were, you know, bringing family in. Yeah. It's and funny because actually, usually you see in the Indian culture, um, when a woman is married, they go with their husband's family. Yeah. But in this case, it's actually she was married to this man, to Jassy's dad but then lives with her family so that alone kind of tells you that you know their family the badishas had quite a, a bit strong, of pull and yeah. very strong like you can they just tell yeah so um they immigrated from india and jazzy was raised in the compound and they were all living together like kind of cult like a cult yeah really. yeah and so Which again she, isn't looking too bad right now because yeah. I'm about to start a cult myself and move so somewhere. So she was raised and went to school and everything here in Pitt Meadows, in right? In Pitt Meadows, but she was not allowed to um, socialize or do anything that a normal Canadian teenager yeah. does. And you see that because growing up with not too many East Indian people, but enough, you learn the culture, right? I mean, this is this is Canada. It's very multicultural. So you kind of get a little a little glimpse into the culture, which I think the Indian culture is so cool. Me too. And it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I would love I think, to go there. We're going to go there. Yeah, we will go there. Uh, and it is, however, very different from here. Yeah. And especially the family that Jassy was born into, she was basically um, just around to make a good marriage and uh, have children. So that was kind of the focus yeah. on her life. And she, um, because if you are a female. She's beautiful she too, just very like beautiful. to say that. That's probably why she was so like highly. I mean, also, I th don't think it hurts that people want to marry their daughters off because you get like oh, yeah, half so, a million dollars. So I, I, I have this listed. It's. She was um, raised basically, and they had already arranged several possible marriages for her. Yeah. And so if they were to um, have a dowry of $500,000, they could bring someone from India yeah. to marry her. And then he would in turn give children. Yeah. And which would increase the value like... Well, and bringing two families together that are powerful families, like yeah. they want you to marry somebody within your caste, which again, okay, so for you guys that don't know what a caste system is, is India's caste system was actually officially abolished in 1950. But the 2,000-year-old social hierarchy imposed on people by birth still exists in many aspects of life. And there's actually a uh, the caste system that 
I mean, like I said, there's no caste system, but a lot of people from India and other countries as well go off of the caste system still to this day. Yeah. So I actually knew somebody, uh, she was raised in England. So again, there's a large East Indian community in England as well. So she was raised in England. She was about in her, she was probably in her 60s, I would say. So I worked with her. And one time she said to me, oh, my son, um, he was dating. So I would get like the, always get like the scoop from her, right? Early morning shift, whatever. And one time she said, oh, my son's dating this in her English accent. My son's dating this this girl and I don't think I approve because her last name is da 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 and so there you go right and it's yeah. I'm just like huh like her is her last name like uh, for me because well, you know that's so we, yeah I mean we don't we do not procure that here no but no. the the arranged marriage system is still very very much alive which here. sometimes I think yeah, you know well, maybe would maybe I? that I would have gotten married one day yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for a whole other episode. We've had all these kids at a wedlock and oh, such God. a fuck up. Yeah. Ugh. But I mean, and that's a thing too, is the domestic abuse uh, in that community is also is also a problem. It's very prevalent. It is. Very it prevalent. is. And so there are other cases that we want to cover that do talk about that. And uh, I mean, one case very locally, actually, I actually knew the perpetrator of that case. So we will cover that case one day. But again, I mean, I think because of the arrangement, it's almost like bringing shame to your family, divorce, um, being unhappy. Yeah. That kind of stuff stays behind doors, right? You don't talk about that. You don't. And we've talked about this before, how now in this day and age, we are more accepting of, you know, people fuck up. People have, people have things that are wrong with them. People have you know, they have mental health. They have... They don't maybe like the person. No. That, so you know, we, they're married to. Something, exactly. Something or something happens. Something happens. And you can leave and you can be safe. You know, people always say like, oh, today's day and age. There's so many divorces. Yeah, because people know that they don't have to fucking tolerate yeah. bullshit. in their Yeah. Um, substance abuse. Cheating. Cheating. Anything. Even just being unhappy. And sometimes nothing even needs to happen. Maybe you wake up one day and you're like, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but for you to just... Well, that's what happens to me all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. But uh, so she was disregarded so little by her family that even her paychecks when she had her job, mm -hmm. she was expected to have a job at a young age. And she didn't even get to keep her paychecks. They no, were deposited pooled. into a family account. Yeah. So she, after graduating from high school, uh, Jassy attended beauty school at uh, Maple Ridge Aesthetic Academy. And even there, her cousins and her uncle would wait for her to get off class and pull her home right away. Like the other kids would go or young adults would go, you know, out for drinks or social nights or whatever. Her uncle several times would walk right into the school and like drag her out by the arm. And, and have complete disregard for anyone else in the room. Yeah. It was like, can I help you? Like move. I need to get my niece. She yeah. needs to go home. <laughs> like, and she's like, what, 20? She was 20, probably yeah, at that time. Yeah. yeah. So in her 20s. And you so couldn't they, tell me what to do when I was even they like actually 13. Had, yeah. They actually had a 60-year-old man arranged for her to get married to, and she refused. Yeah. 
So I'm not sure like exactly what happened to her each time she would refuse a marriage. But can you imagine being expected no. to marry a 60 year old man just because of social? Because he's rich and he and, you know, yeah, and men can procreate forever till they so die. Yeah. He could still give her all the seeds that she needed to make babies. To but make, yeah, like so on a visit to the city of Jag. Jagaron, I could probably say a lot of this stuff wrong. Um, in the Punjab state just of turn India, it to me. I'll say it. No, in December kidding. of 1994, Jazzy actually met, uh, just happened to run into this uh, man in the town. Um, he was just coming back. His name was Mithu. He was he was a professional kabaddi player, which kabaddi. is which is a sport. It's actually pretty much a glorified tag. I don't know if you've ever seen. I kabaddi. have not seen it. Mandeep plays kabaddi, and oh. he actually my old landlord. Shout out Mandeep. Um, he gave me a whole because he's like, yeah, he's all sweaty. Can you pick up the rent one time? I'm like, what? He's like, oh, I was playing kabaddi, and and you know, I was like, what is that? And it's basically. It's it's a it's glorified a really aggressive tag. Oh, yeah! I'm gonna watch it because you need to. It's pretty cool. Like I, I when I was researching, I was wondering what it was. So. Yeah, which is funny That's... because at that time, so around this time, the early 2000s, kabaddi was like it was just a it was a game that people played, whatever. But in today, in today's time, you would make a lot. Of, it's like you're a soccer player. You're you know you're a basketball player. You play for the NBA. Kabaddi is like has. A league that is very, very. You like my accent? I can see yeah. you looking at me. I know, I know. It's I'm all like, that practice. I thought your dad was Chilean. But no, I, I'm actually not. East Indian. So there you go. So she happened to meet this. <laughs> you don't seem surprised <laughs> by that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, she well, could who be. Who knows where I was? <laughs> so she happened to meet this uh, young man <sighs> whose name was Sukwinder Singh oh. Sidhu. And his nickname was Me Too. And there you go. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so they met each other and they um, fell in love. He says now that it was actually love at first sight. Yeah. He said that they actually locked saw eyes. each other, locked eyes. Then he didn't see. He was like, oh, probably like, whew, you know. And then it was later that they saw each other again. And he was like, okay, no. Like, yeah, he just like, knew. I'm having some feelings right now. Yeah. And they shared, apparently shared a ride to the temple to worship and yeah. locked eyes. And then they just like, they hit it off so much that, and you'd think like, Jessie hasn't had a lot of experience. Like, I'm sure no, she like, was. Don't look at her. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sure she like, was oh, pretty, God. like, there must've been a, quite the connection for them to yeah. be. Yeah. able to connect in that way well and also you're from a whole other country imagine how exciting that is you like you know it's like and oh they couldn't God. even like they could communicate but not yeah like, when she, she probably she, spoke like like for us we speak like spanglish you know because yeah. like a little bit of english a little bit of spanish but she probably did speak conversational exactly because her family was like forced her to stay home and probably speak punjabi but like you know you it's, that's kind of, I mean, you know all about it because my dad, when my parents met, my dad didn't speak English. I think he could say like, kiss, kiss me. <laughs> like, he could say, I'm hungry, kiss. <laughs> and he knew the line from that George Michael song, I want your sex. Awesome. That was it. And I. And here I am, everybody. Here I am. And I <laughs> would just like communicate. And oh, I lied also about my age by right? saying, I am. Mom is, for everyone listening right now, mom is using her fingers. Yeah. 
So I was actually only 14 and lied about my age. Mm-hmm. That's a whole yeah, other so episode. Yeah, so we'll get into that. That could probably be a whole episode <laughs> yeah. of my bad-ass life before. Well, you know what? Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Never heard a story of a boring... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any boring stories. I got lots of stories, but I can honestly say none of them are boring. There we go. So they met, and then eventually she went back home because she was from Canada. Yeah. She just went there, I think, to meet suitors and to, like... Yeah. I know a lot of people from India, if they're going to any kinds of... Because buying the suits there and buying all those beautiful suits and the jewelry and all that, it's, like, way cheaper to go to India. So I know people... You know, if they're looking for suitors for her and they're trying to get her married, they're probably like, hey, we got to suit you up. And that's why she agreed to go there also because she was like sick and fucking tired of them bringing these 60-year-old men. And she was like, let's go and see what's up in India. Yeah. And they have – they are very rich there as well. Like the the Badishas had a – big huge farm there as well so they were very well known a compound with walls and and the uncle's very powerful which obviously comes back into play yes it does hey guys it's Danica I know you've heard our commercial of First Sense Dog Dry Shampoo but now's your chance to get some for yourself and for your furry companion use promo code MWMM10 at checkout at www.firstsense.ca for 10% off your first sifter pack. These things are awesome. With the sifter pack, you can try all three scents, restorative cedarwood, purifying peppermint, and my personal favorite, Zen lavender. That way you can say goodbye to those stinky car rides home. I promise you and your fur baby are gonna love this product. Now, back to Murder With My Mother. Once they came back home, uh, once she came back home, they kept in touch for the next four years. And there was actually someone that had to translate the letters for them because she didn't, she did not uh, read or write in no. Punjabi. And so they just would hang out and whatever, or like through, through correspondence. Yeah, it was so cute because you much. see, I've watched a couple of specials and you see her little hearts, hugs and kisses. Yeah, she was writing like Jessie. all sorts of stuff and she yeah. was, you know, she came home and that was probably like one of the only things that She's got living her on a dream, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> living like on the we fumes. We all know. Yeah, exactly. And especially that's probably like, that was probably, I mean, I'm sure she had crushes and, you know, those, the innocent kind of love, but this was like that can't eat, can't sleep, reach for the star, yeah. whatever, you know, like that corny That burning first down there love. type. Yeah. <laughs> okay, burning? <laughs> yeah, you know, like the fire. Maybe tingly, like a burning. Oh, I mean, I think, either, I think either one of those <laughs> things is like something you want to feel down there, but whatever. So in 1999, uh, she made another trip to India with her family. And this was, they were like getting sick of it now. They're like, we're going there to arrange a marriage. Yeah. So it was funny because Mitu, it was kind of like Romeo and Juliet-ish, but he apparently used to sneak over the walls of their compound yeah. there. And it was said, well, he says that he used to bring sleeping pills and Jassy's sympathetic aunt would mix them with the food at dinner time to make sure everybody was fast asleep so they could carry on their fiery well, romance. Because we've talked about the caste system in India is very prevalent. So... Jesse knew that just because of where Mitu was from, his he was just a kabaddi player. So at that time, like I said, if it was in today's day, like they would have been like, "Yes, please bring 
him home. Bring him home. Because he's like, it's like when you marry an NBA player or, you know, it's it's like, OK, I've got a lot of money. But back then it wasn't looked at like that. And so she knew right off the bat, like, my family will not agree with yeah. this. My family will not allow this. So it was all secret. So they actually snuck away on March the 15th, 1999 and secretly got married in another town. So they each, I think he had a friend with them to witness. And so they did not tell the family. No. So nobody knew that they were married. Which imagine because they're looking for her to be married to someone to kind of broaden their, yeah, you know, their, their family and their power and their control. Imagine holding that in too. Like she told several people uh, that she would be murdered if they found out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she had like. She knew. She knew. So imagine a love that powerful yeah, that, that you're willing. willing to like if what's going to happen. Well, we'll tell you what's going to happen right yeah. now. <laughs> so <laughs> we will. A year later, her family discovered they found some of the, the She actually letters. she kept those letters. Yeah. She went to the owner of her school, which now she actually worked at. Yeah. So she went there and she said to the lady who owned it, who I guess she had become pretty close with. Yeah. Um, like well, it. this poor lady is like like the whitest lady on the planet and witnessing these East Indian people come and like drag take and out. drag her. And she said to her, like, if I keep letters in my locker, will you read look them. at them? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, what the fuck? I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to go through your locker yeah. to read your love letters. But she said, if if my uncle comes in here, my family he will. can't see them. Because yeah. Will you me. show, will you, will you open? And she's like, no, why would I do that? Probably not, because again, like if Grandpa Corby came and was like, "Let me open your letters," like he wouldn't do that. That's not something that you have to. No, like it seems like a foreign concept to us, especially to a twenty-something-year-old woman. Yeah. I mean, I understand you setting my MSN to record when I'm fourteen, because that's I your don't know what you're about. <laughs> that is your right as a parent of a minor child of a minor child. But this just takes it to a whole other level. So so a year later, they did find out about the marriage uh, through relatives in India also. Yeah. So I guess word was getting out because Jassy was sending, uh, was sneaking money away too and sending it to Me Too. Yeah, to buy a new uh, scooter. Yeah. Yeah. So they strongly disapproved, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they um, attempted to persuade her to get a divorce. First, by offering to buy her a car and material possessions. And then when that didn't work, they were beating her. Yeah. So after those attempts failed, her family pressured her into signing a document, which she couldn't read Punjabi. So they told her that it was a document um, to sell some land mm -hmm. because obviously everyone's name is on the land and she signed it. Yeah. Not knowing that it was actually a document that contained criminal accusations against Mithu. And probably having a little bit of faith in your family, like, well, they wouldn't, you know. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I probably I wouldn't, she was but pretty naive. Scared too. And scared, yeah. So when she discovered. And again, uh, her mother is the one who punishes her, not her father. Her yeah. father was kind of out well, her, to lunch, I believe. Her father was schizophrenic. Yeah, so. he struggled with mental health. But I think that he was kind of not also really even... bullied by, yeah. by the mom and yeah. the uncle. So when she discovered, because Mitu was then arrested mm -hmm. uh, for... Because they said that he forced her to get married against her will. By gunpoint. By the gunpoint. Mm -hmm. And that was the documents that she had by signed. By the gunpoint, Yes. 
So uh, when she found out, like, what what the fuck was going on, Mm -hmm. then she went to the police here, who then contacted the police in India and, you know, got the charges dropped. And they actually got really lucky with that because the police there were very corrupt. Yeah. They happened to get a police officer in India that was not that, Yeah, know. the one probably yeah. of like 10 that was not corrupt. Or not, because un- the uncle, again, we've said, he's very powerful. So the control that he had there, uh, it did leak into the police department. It did, you know, it was different jurisdictions. He kind of had control over yeah. everything that, that was going on over there. So she, once all of that was happening, she was held in the family home yeah in the basement so basically confined against couldn't go to work couldn't go kidnapped basically and put in the basement so she managed to escape and get some money together and she was still in contact with me too and she called him from a friend's phone i think and said like i'm coming there yeah. right now and, and got he said, on a no it's too hot yeah. here you he won't said, like no, it it's too hot here. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, so cute when you see an interview with him it's very yeah it's very innocent like no it's yeah. too hot here it's okay you won't like it like because yeah. you're from maple ridge and... because she was saying like i'm coming there We're yeah married. i love you we're gonna like... have our life together and um she got money from a friend bought a plane ticket and flew to india on may the 12th 2000 and reunited with me too uh, they basically were in hiding, uh, just wherever. Yeah. And they were so cute because they were going to like, it was them against the world. Basically they were going to plan. You already feel like that when yeah. you're like young. So imagine actually like having to hide and, yeah. and run away from your family. And But they, I mean, they were going to then have a wedding ceremony. They were planning it together. Yeah. So well, weddings were... are huge in India, right? Yeah. They're very... I think there's like if six anyone days, gets a chance seven. to go to an Indian wedding that is not so an fun. Indian person, please do it. I'm still waiting. So I drive a limousine also, and I drive for a lot of Indian weddings. And the beautiful clothing and the jewelry mm-hmm. and the the swords, the traditional swords. Oh, the turbans, like everything's so cool, so beautiful, and yeah. the gold the makeup. Like, it's like oh. I wish that if I could I have ever an Indian get wedding. Again, I'm gonna Sorry, Carlos, but I'm going to have an Indian in wedding. Indian makeup. To someone. So Even then if, if I have an Indian wedding, wedding, then you can come to it. I don't think you're going to have an Indian wedding. I don't think I'm going to have any wedding. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but whatever. whatever. Hopefully someone does and invites yeah. me. If you're listening so. and you're having Fro. an Indian wedding, please. Fro. Oh. We're going to an Indian wedding. We're going. Yeah. That's Woo. it. I don't so know. Anyway. So yeah. Anyway, sorry to get back off track. They love it. So she went and they were planning to go and uh, do the shopping for their ceremony. And a phone call came in from her mom. Somehow they had been tracked down. Yeah. Which would freak house. you out probably just that she found you in yeah. the first place. Yeah. And her mom actually said to them on the phone, like, don't have the wedding. We're going to help pay for it. Just wait for us. We forgive you guys. We approve. We know you uh, love him. Yeah. So so they were actually so happy about yeah. this that they went out uh, that night to go shopping for stuff for their wedding. And while they were um, out shopping, they were, this was on June the 8th. So mm-hmm. she'd been there for nearly a month now. Uh, they were kidnapped. They were ambushed. They were on a, on a dirt yeah. road. By in like the middle 10 of nowhere. people. Yeah. So they were ambushed 
and kidnapped. And uh, Mithu was violently beaten. Well, they had swords. Yeah. So they actually cut like Mithu's finger, his ring finger. Yeah. Most like most importantly because of what it signified, right? And like beat the absolute shit out of him and left him for dead. Like it's yeah. amazing. Like I saw an interview where someone said like it's amazing that he even lived. His head, that. top of his head was cut off. His yeah. fingers were cut off. And all this time, Jesse's there screaming like, "Leave my Mitu alone! Don't touch him! Don't touch him!" And obviously, Mitu's being a you know violently attacked. But the person that they were after was Jesse, right? And so they took her to an abandoned farmhouse and she was subsequently murdered. Tied to a chair. Tied to the chair mm-hmm. and murdered while uh, the men sexually assaulted her. Yeah. Uh, Horrible. And beat her to death, basically. Yeah. They and stabbed, stabbed her. her and slit her throat. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and when she was found, uh, the coroner's report said that she had also been um, violently sexually assaulted. Yeah. And she was found uh, just on the side of the road in a ditch. And I know that Mitu obviously was in the hospital because of his injuries, but nobody claimed Jesse's body. Nobody from her family would claim it, which was a red flag. Neon flag, the first one. And... So Mitu's family actually had a service. They cremated her and they had the service themselves. Yeah. Which. So, and it it broke over here. Like the news broke over here that a woman from here had been killed in India. And at first it wasn't really. The robbery. It was a robbery and it wasn't really correlated, but it started. A reporter went to the home of. Uh, their family home. The convent. Yeah. And the uncle, right away, as soon as the we reporter didn't do it. Started, got there, said, yeah, it wasn't us. We, we didn't do it. We had nothing to do with this. So that's like a little bit sus. Yeah. Like a Like a, a, a neon flag too. Because nobody even said. They were just saying, you know, your, your niece was victim of this horrible crime there. And he was like, we didn't do it. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> I didn't do it. And yeah. then they, um, it got... It got all of a sudden found like, out um, because the police started investigating right away from yeah. here. And there were... I don't know if the police here were very, like, quick to do it, but yeah. I think with a lot of pressure because a lot of journalists Said. after catching wind. Yeah. And obviously the people that were close to her, um, her principal from her high school knew just of kind of, I think, the family. Obviously there was a lot of kids because there's a large family so I think a lot of those kids went to the same school and you have to when you're seeing the same stuff happen there's bruises there's this you know the disciplinary action that's being taken against these kids then all of a sudden she's an adult and she's not let out and and she please don't look at my letters in my locker no exactly just all of that my family will kill me and then he brought attention exactly so and obviously that's like ding 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 like okay she said she would have been murdered for this it was found out and now she has been violently murdered so they're they gonna connected the connect dots it, yeah. anyway, and it w- it it broke globally that it was yep. an honor killing. Yep. So it was. It took a long time. Like this happened in two thousand. It's twenty twenty two. So twenty two years later, and the court proceedings go from two thousand. Not even because I think. The mother and the uncle. Well, first they found out that 
the mother had been in contact with the alleged hitman like 300 times. Yeah. And there was fo- a lot of phone records from Maple Ridge to India. Mm-hmm. They really weren't very careful about any of that stuff. Because they didn't think. They, they're probably like invincible. They feel like how is anyone going to piece together? And they're not going to do anything about it. It's in India. We didn't do it. Obviously, we're here. Yeah. Right. So you I get s- kind of cocky, I think. So, and they were not, her mother and uncle were not arrested until January the 6th, 2012. Yeah, which 12 years later. So the local hitmen involved were arrested, tried, and convicted. So Darshan Singh is actually the person who orchestrated the whole hit there on, I mean, obviously. Through the phone. Through the uncle. The uncle is the one who set it up, the uncle and the mom. And actually, apparently... It was the mother who actually gave the orders, like, yeah. don't let her live. Kill yeah. her. And so... And like, can you imagine? Like, could you oh, imagine? Oh, my goodness. Imagine if, I, like, well, you would have I had can. me killed, like, 17 times already I if know, it was, yeah. like, brought shame to the family. But basically, <laughs> it was... So, Darshan Singh was the person who ran the f- family farm down there. Okay. And so, um, he was actually sentenced to life in prison in India, but somehow his daughter and Sarjeet's son are married and Darshan actually lives in Maple Ridge. Yeah. And he's a permanent resident after he got out for murder in India. There were some papers, obviously. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty sus to me. He's here living in India. I mean, living Maple here. Ridge. Where he should be in India facing murder, like life for murder. Yeah. Because he was found guilty. And obviously, um, there's a lot of corruption there. We've already kind of covered that. But one of the police officers down there was not, was like, so they kind of had it where where Jesse was taken was under one jurisdiction. And that jurisdiction was known that the person, the the chief of police there was very, very corrupt. corrupt. So where she was found, though, was in a different jurisdiction. And that jurisdiction was a different police officer, probably, again, the one of a couple that was not corrupt. So so he's the one that was like, no, we're pursuing this. We're going after this. This is happening. Luckily. Luckily. Or else it would have just been like, oh, well. Well, luckily, and this is horrible to say, but I'm glad that they disposed of her body there or else this would have never obviously I wish this didn't happen at all but because of where they left her body that was that gave them all the right to to investigate it because that police chief was like no and he in interview says I've been threatened I've been people have called me and said you know we're gonna kill you your family exactly so it's like and also uh me too since then has been brought up on multiple charges because of rape rape people are out to get him yeah. because of what he caused to the family that yeah. honor killed his wife mm-hmm. and he has had that one police officer that's been fighting for him fighting for him fighting for him yeah so the woman who accused me too of raping her actually came forward later and said um my boss on my farm i work darshan singh sounds familiar uh, he actually got me to to say they they paid my family and they told me that I just had to say that he raped me and so Mithu was in jail until this came out yeah. and actually Mithu was still in jail um, because obviously you have to think we've talked about trauma and what that does to people so imagine seeing your love of your life is taken and then you're 
you know, your she's head's cut off. Oh, everything. Yeah, everything. So he actually, I know, um, started. You have, he had a substance abuse problem. Yeah. So he, one of the times he was in jail was because it was a drug charge. So it was yeah. an unrelated drug offense, which is related because it's like he wouldn't have to do those drugs if he wasn't trying to numb all that shit that he's been through. And, you know, obviously we never like to see substance abuse, but that's just what comes with trauma. So we know that. Work through your traumas, everybody. Yeah. Don't let your traumas work through you. PSA from today's episode. So, yeah. <laughs> mother. So, I need to work through my traumas right now. <laughs> yeah, right now we're going to pause the episode. Mom's going to work through through her traumas. <laughs> Quickly, though. I don't know if it would be that quick. So, um, they were trying for years. This went on for years mm-hmm. and years and years because they had to extradite. Finally, Canada got on board. Yeah. And they had to extradite them to India to face charges. Yeah. So how long did it take? So they were actually extradited. Let's see here. The extradition. So May 9th, 2014, BC Supreme Court Justice Gregory Fitch orders Sidhu and Badesha to be extradited to India to stand trial. So the then Justice Minister Peter McKay later signs surrender orders for both accused. I remember when this was happening. Like, I remember the news when they were yeah. finally going to get extradited. And they were still on the news like, I didn't do it. Yeah. Then in uh, April of 2015, the Supreme Court of India acquitted Darshan Badesha, um, which I think is Darshan Singh, which obviously Singh is yeah. just his middle name, Darshan Badesha, of all charges related to Jassy's mother. So that's obviously... Uh, sorry, Jesse's murder and mother, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's why he can be here living in Canada, which is strange to me. But February of 2016, the BC Court of Appeal sets aside the surrender orders for Malkit and Sergeet. In a split decision, the court says it wasn't reasonable for the minister to accept India's assurances about Sidhu and Badesha's safety. So they were worried about them being about safe. them being safe. So August 2016, the Supreme Court of Canada agrees to hear the government's appeal of the appeal court's decision not to extradite them. And it's funny because actually there's an interview I watched. Canada was just because they're right now, basically, they're like, you're not extraditing them. They won't be safe in India. Yeah. I was like, okay, go fuck yourself. But someone in Canada was like, you know what? They're working with India because India was like, give them to us. Yeah. We want to... Charge basically them. charge them and, yeah. and see justice for Jesse. But um, it's funny because their defense lawyer got a call in the middle of the night saying, obviously, I mean, I would have liked to see this happen sooner, but um, of them being snuck to India, like in the middle of the night on a red eye. Good, so someone good, was good. trying to, but but it got stopped. So um, basically they, they didn't go to India as soon as they should have, but... Um, in 2017, the Supreme Court overturned the appeal court decision and they were ruled that Sidhu and Badesha should be extradited to India to face trial. And so in um, same the same month, the extradition is halted once again. And see, it just goes back and forth, yeah, back I and forth. This. And, I remember this playing out. Yeah. So what had happened is December 11th, 2018, the BC Court of Appeals rejects Sidhu and Badesh's application of uh, for the stay. And uh, in January of 2019, they were actually extradited to New Delhi after being uh, 
get sent there. So they needed to face justice. And so uh, that same month in January 2019, they made their first public appearance in Malar Kotla, Punjab. And they were escorted to police and they had black bags over their head. I remember that. Yeah, me too. So really since then, um, obviously we know... I don't know if maybe some of you don't know, but there was a pandemic (laughs) in 2020. So that slowed. Everything has been affected by that. So 2020, in December of 2020, um, the mother was actually let out on bail um, in India. And because basically COVID has pushed everything and nothing has happened yet. But it's, I mean... It's not funny, but the uncle's also out on bail. So they are in that part of Punjab. And so is Mitu. So they all live around the same area. Oh, goodness. Right? Imagine that, that, like, how anxious he must be. So basically, we are waiting. We're waiting to hear what happens. Like, we don't know. And obviously, it's in India's hands. But... I mean, a lot of the, I know the one reporter who has been covering it since the beginning, he's like, they're going to be acquitted. They're going to be, because if you look, Darshan was acquitted and he was one that orchestrated the whole thing. And there was proof that he orchestrated it. So. And how sad is it? I mean, it's so sad that a young woman's life was taken and this has just been swept under the rug. Yeah. So many different things. Yeah, exactly. So. Honor killings, obviously, there's no honor in that. Like, and there's old school mentalities, old school cultural mentalities. But at the end of the day, someone in your family, someone you love, someone you made, if they love someone and you don't like them, like, you know, it's funny because I remember I have a few girlfriends who are East Indian and, uh, you know, they went out a couple times. They've been wasted, come home. <laughs> and their mother has literally said to them, are you white? Yeah. Why are you acting like that? What? And then it's like, oh, that was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> but, you know, it's it's the idea of it's it's dirty to act that way. It's the same thing as I've had friends who are East Indian who are men who they like to date. You like who you like, right? Yeah. And they like to date white girls or Asian girls or whatever. But you'll see the – and some families, not all families are like that, right? I have girlfriends no. who have married East Indian I guys. I mean, it all, it all goes to how culturally sensitive the family is, yeah. how many generations exactly. have been here. Yeah, how open-minded they yeah. are of, you know. And that that's that can be said with many different cultures. Oh, yeah. It's world. not just Indian. It's so I mean, many. White, white people that are so racist, Caucasian oh, people. Yeah. I mean, we're just bringing awareness to this. Because it happened in our community and it is still pretty prevalent and it Mm -hmm. shouldn't be at this point. No, and there's actually another case um, that I think of when I think of honor killings that I would also like to cover. And obviously now you guys are going to be super familiar with what honor killings are and they're horrible. Yeah. They're horrible and we really hope that, you know, they don't happen and they don't happen. They they do happen, but which is horrible, but it's, you know... Obviously, so the more coverage. Bring, yeah, bring awareness mm-hmm. and uh, give you guys a story that you can um, listen to and be aware of the issue that exists. So Yeah, exactly. So We that... will post some pictures of Jesse and Me Too up on our social. Yeah. And 
you can see like what a promising, beautiful young couple they were and yeah. how sad it was that they were taken from us. Yeah. So that was episode 38, yeah. the murder of Jess Winder, Jesse Sadu. Um, today's episode was brought to you guys by Freeze Dried Goods Canada. I don't know if you guys have tried freeze dried stuff. But it's the fucking bomb. It is so good. So the thing I like about freeze dried goods is like freeze dried candy is like all the rage right now. And I like it because like instead of eating a whole bag of the Skittles, like once you freeze dry them, they're like this big. So you eat like two or three and you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) I'm full from Skittles. But there's so much other cool stuff. There's fruit that they do. There's ice cream sandwiches. There's there's you can even ever had that. Uh. That Starbucks dragon fruit drink, that's freeze-dried dragon fruit. Like There you go. You can actually freeze-dry your breast milk. So the cool oh, thing about God. freeze-dried, well, um, you know me. Can't wait to try that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the cool thing about freeze-drying is you can actually... It suspends it. It does. It suspends it. All you have to do is add water. Yeah. So it suspends it in time. So like you can literally freeze-dry a bunch of food. Freeze-dry your dog. Oh, I don't... <laughs> No, if you, I don't want to freeze dry quesadilla. I would keep her for later. But um, you can freeze dry so much stuff. But but like I said, go check them out. It's FDG underscore Canada on Instagram. So yeah, check them out. Today's episode is also brought to us by Martina Gabrielle, makeup artist, and she's like a well. She can do everything. Yeah, she can. She literally one in time life I, she can do everything. Yeah, yeah. Let alone like Mother of the Year, but. Makeup artist, photography, you name it, she does yeah. it, and she's great. Nails. She did Denise's nails yesterday. Yeah, don't mind my ghetto-ass Band-Aid because I burnt myself and, oh, God. <laughs> Never burnt myself before and it's a lot of work. So, anyway. Yeah, so we will be back in a month. Yeah, we're going to aim, obviously, for next month. Mom has to kind of do her. I'm just, I've just she's adjusting. A new job. And I got her a. Very early. And so keep going. (laughs) So uh, we are going to step it up to every two weeks. I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to get a little adjusted to a job that is fucking hard. Different. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot different. There's a lot to learn. And I right now am a zombie, but I made it through. But you're yeah, you did great. Be a fucking efficient zombie by the next time I'm here. Well, you're gonna be extra efficient because let's just okay, let's just backtrack. So mom has been because obviously she knows she applied for the job, she's waiting, she's this. She's been a little distracted. So I've been ditched like sorry guys we seventeen times to- <laughs> in the it's, last month. It was month. supposed to come out or we were supposed to record last week, but I double booked myself on many different fronts between interviewing, yeah, between starting a new job and that process once I interviewed went very quickly. So yeah. I just started the job on Monday and yeah. here I am. Here right she now. is. Here she is. So and so she has a new nickname. It's Dandruff. Um she doesn't like it. Uh, I'm probably not going to call you that anymore. (laughs) Well, when you ditch me, you're my best friend, my mom, all these things. So I need to like, but anyway, I've got you a nice new agenda so you can, you know, write your plans down. And then if something else comes up at the same time, you can be like, let me check my agenda. Oh, fuck. I don't have, I'm sorry. I actually have something going on with my daughter. And I have to work this weekend. Yeah. And I have to hang out with my daughter. So, Okay. Yeah, so um, I'm so proud of you, by the way. I'm so proud, and you are gonna kill it. Thank you. Hopefully, I won't get fired, and it'll be good. Yeah. Well, I I have faith in you. You can do anything. I have faith in myself. (laughs) 
especially with your new agenda. Yes. <laughs> okay, so thank you very, very much for coming back and giving us a listen and a watch. Yep. And we will see you in a month. Yep. You guys know, go check out our socials, uh, Murder With My Mother podcast on Instagram, Facebook. TikTok. TikTok, which... Yeah. Um, and our Patreon. So if you guys love us, go support us on Patreon. You know, you can literally $2 a month. Yeah. It would help. We love you guys. It would. Yeah. So thank you guys. We very will much. see you next time. But this has been Murder with My Mother. Where? I talk murder with my mother. Bye, everybody. Bye.